Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Blue Wire Podcasts. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition. Pardon me. Of all eyes on Cleveland Thursday night on the OBR stream. I uh, hope you are tuning in via Twitch or uh, YouTube. If you are tuning in, uh, please hit that like button, hit subscribe, uh, support all the work we're doing over here at the OBR. Uh, tons of great content coming out from all of the members of the OBR over the past few days here as we prepare for what will be a uh, massive week next week. So uh, we we do have uh, a guest tonight. Well, we'll have a couple guests tonight um, on the show. Uh, we're efforting our first guest right now, so uh, I'm just going to chat with you guys here for a minute. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you, Manimal. Uh, you know, appreciate that. Um, Articles at the OBR. Yeah, everybody is uh, doing an amazing job. In, in fact, that you know, Cody uh, with his analytics and Jake with his film uh, review, uh, as well as, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm losing my voice all of a sudden here, Jack Duffin coming together to uh, put together a free agent probability uh, score for all the free agents out there. Uh, something nobody else is doing right now. So very cool stuff. Um, so yeah, keep tuning into all of that. Uh, I have a piece out today on the draft, kind of everybody that met with the Browns. Um, it's a, you know, that we can figure met with the Browns at the combine, all of the prospects and, uh, what they have, uh, to their game and, uh, you know, where they might go, uh, how they perform to the combine, things like that. Uh, Nick Shook of NFL.com is going to join us here in a few minutes. Uh, like I said, we're efforting him right now. Um, and he uh, was at the Combine for the entirety of it, which is a, a tall task. That's uh, seven days of the Combine, which is crazy. You know, most most guys go over for like three days and then come home for the testing portion. Um, and then, you know, then you just are talking about scouts and personnel from teams there at that point uh we've got a comment here from mr robinson brad let's go could t higgins be a possibility or an option i don't know what he will demand he's proven and played in big games here's the thing with higgins right like so you know the Bengals want to make you feel as though he is going to remain there and and basically it comes down with the Bengals is that something's got to give at some point right uh the problem is, if they do decide to move off of T. Higgins and try to get some value for him, it's never going to be to the Browns. So, uh, you know, that'll never happen there. Uh, and I likely think they probably ride out. Uh, T. Higgins is a good enough player. They likely ride out uh, this season with him and then go from there. Uh, we have our guest. He is a wonderful gentleman, a friend of the show. He's been on multiple times. Uh, he is uh, a terrific guest. His name is Nick Shook. You can follow him on Twitter at 
the Nick Shook. Uh, he writes for NFL.com. He is fresh off of seven days at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Nick Shook, how are we doing, Nick? I'm wonderful. Uh, we've we've had a few days to recuperate from the Combine and, and let everything process, and here we are. Yeah, I was just talking about that, that like, you know, some people go for like three days and then they get out of there, right? Like when the testing starts and stuff. You were there for the whole thing, right? The whole yeah. week? Yeah, that's that's typically how I do it is we you'll see a bunch of people who are there just for the podiums with the GMs and the coaches, and then they bounce out of town as soon as the testing and the workouts start. But I am a marathoner when it comes to the combine. That's how it's always been for me. This is I think my fifth combine I've I've covered. And yeah. um and I'm always there for the long haul all the way through Sunday and the last I'm there until the last drill is run, the last ball is thrown, the last running back has finished his uh his workout that's me that that is you you are uh, a grinder good for you that's awesome um and uh so we'll have some questions about the combine here let let me start with uh this uh does it feel i know people love the combine in indianapolis does it feel like it would ruin it to move it from Indianapolis because there's a lot of rhetoric out there right now about the it moving away from Indianapolis. Um, I think a lot of people would be disappointed if it moved because the reason that it works so well in Indianapolis is because if you've ever been to that downtown, it's it's pretty um, centralized. It's easy to walk around. All the hotels are nearby. All the restaurants are nearby. Where everybody goes is within like a four to five block radius. There's there's nothing that really requires a car once you get into your hotel. The stadium is connected to the convention center by an underground tunnel between the two. So, I mean, everything is right there. And what's most important, I think, from a team perspective is the hospital availability to get all the medicals done. Uh, you know, you can get 300 players in and out uh, with some extensive medical testing, and it's not, you know, overloading the hospital and overloading everything else. So I think um, you, you combine the fact that it's easy to get around for everybody there. You don't have a lot of cars, a lot of traffic that you're dealing with. Um, and it also is so intimate because Indianapolis is not the biggest city. Um, the same people go to the same restaurants. They go to the same bars afterward. They all, that's where they all commiserate. That's where a lot of the off season dealings are kind of the groundwork is laid for that. A lot of the reporting is done there. A lot of information is traded. Um, and, and so I think if you moved it to a place like LA or, or, you know, to the star, you know, in Frisco, Texas, where the, the Cowboys are, are headquartered, I think you lose some of that. And anytime you add distance to things, it spreads stuff out and it, and it makes it less intimate. Uh, you see that at the Super Bowl, depending on where it is year by year. So, uh, you know, I, I'm in the camp that the combine should stay in Indiana, Indianapolis. If there's one league that's really good at making tentpole events out of everything, it's the NFL. So I wouldn't be surprised if they shopped it, but, um, I think this is the one event that should stay where it is. All right. Uh, it makes sense to me. You know, you hear people talk about stories like, hey, well, in Indianapolis, like an NFL player, star player can go have a meal and not be bothered during combine week. And that's kind of crazy, right? Like, you know, um, so it's almost like a safe zone there for that, you know, kind of closed off from the rest of the world. So seems like it would be a good thing and ideal uh, as, uh, you know, it kind of kicks off the uh, league year, all the business that gets done and all that stuff. So um, I'm sure you uh, had a uh, a nice seven days. Were you glad to leave? Oh, yeah. I'm all, by the end of it, I'm always like, <laughs> all right, I'm ready to go home. Just because yeah. it is, um, especially Thursday through Sunday, it's podiums at 8 a.m. It's workouts at 1 or 3 p.m. And you're in the stadium till 9, 10 p.m. 
Um, I had a 10 p.m. dinner on Friday night. I think it was Friday or Saturday night. Uh, and then I also drove this year. So I left Indianapolis oh, at 8.30 p.m. on Sunday night and got home about 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's definitely a grind. Yeah, that, that sounds like it. And, it, it, you know, for the testing, like, we get it. We get the importance of it. But for, like, the average fan, that has to be extremely mundane. So, uh, I get, I get it, right? Like it's it's long. I'm sure it's long. All right, let's talk a little bit about what we got from the combine, right? Uh, you have two pieces out. You had your uh, offensive guys that stood out, right? You're kind of all combine team, and then your defensive all combine team. I I, I read them both. Um, uh, let me start though at quarterback because people are going to be intrigued. Uh, I I heard you say or read somewhere that you said Stroud was terrific. Uh, throwing the ball. Um, we all know about Richardson's freak, uh, you know, athletic performance. Um, where do you, if you had to rank your quarterbacks coming out of the combine, how would you rank them one through four with Young and uh, Levis? Well, I think Bryce Young lost a little bit of momentum and, and maybe some money by not participating uh, just because it's a chance for him to prove himself alongside the other top prospects. Now, of course, his college resume is strong. Uh, there are concerns about his size. He passed those tests at the combine, you know, uh, and, and so I think that helped him out. But but not being on the field Sunday, it felt like there was an absence there when you look at this class as a whole. C.J. Stroud, on the other hand, made himself a lot of money, I think an excellent phenomenal performance about as perfect as about as close to perfect as you could get in a throwing workout at the combine. I saw from him Wow! at every level of the field, um, even to the point where, you know, they're running a sail route drill and, and he throws down the sideline and you can envision a safety trying to close over the top and Stroud throwing away from that defender for a long completion. And he was just excellent. Uh, he had, wow. I think one miss on a deep ball. Otherwise he was, like I said, about as close as perfect uh, to perfect as you could be. Richardson, on the other hand, tested like a freak. And you could see the natural ability in the workout. The deep balls were gorgeous. I mean, just the, the deep throws. I'm sitting in the stadium. I just let out audible wows, like looking around at some of my colleagues. Like, can yeah. do you see this? This is magnificent. But he does have um, some things to clean up in his footwork that showed up in his in his workout as well. It's just um, it's a lack of consistency with his feet that allows him to kind of be inaccurate at times where he sails a pass over a guy's head on a short route and he underthrows a deep ball because his arm is so talented. He's just so physically gifted that he trusts it almost too much. So I think that's something that he needs to clean up if he wants to become a really premier passer at the next level. But all the traits are there. All the um, I don't know if I'd say intangibles, but all the physical gifts are certainly there. So I'll be really interested to see where he ends up because it's all going to come down to the situation for him. If, they, if he goes to a team that supports him, surrounds him with good talent, doesn't ask too much of him, I think he'd be a really good player. And then, um, you know, I wasn't as impressed by Will Levis as some other people would be. Um, you can see in the mechanics of his throw, it's all upper body rotation, and he does let it rip. But once you get outside of like 30 yards, that kind of falls off a cliff because so much of it is upper body. It's not the full lower yeah. body, upper body combo. And um, so I could see why, you know, he. I think there was a highlight of him making a throw where there was just a tiny throwing window at Kentucky and he just had that same rotation, lets it rip right through and squeezes it between the defense for a touchdown. He'll make those throws to the NFL. It's just a matter of – he's a big-bodied quarterback. It's just a matter of um, – I don't know if his arm's as strong as people believe it is when it comes to the deep balls. He wasn't a Josh Allen-type performance there. So uh, okay. those top three guys that perform, that's the way I kind of sort them out. So I'd say probably Stroud, Richardson, Levis, and, and Young is going to fit somewhere by Stroud and Richardson when it's all said and done, when we get through this mock draft season and into the actual draft. Um. I know they have pro days still and stuff like that. What uh, will all of them go in the top ten this year? 
It's a fair question. Um, I'm curious to see who tries to trade up into the top 10 to take one of them. Yeah. I think there's going to be some movement there. Um, okay. And, and I think that, um, you know, Chicago, what they do with that pick really starts off this whole train. Yeah. Uh, whether they trade out and somebody gets up there in front of Houston to take their quarterback or not, we'll see what happens there. But I expect Houston, Indianapolis, Carolina, all to be looking at quarterbacks up there. Uh, and they might not be the only team. So I think once we see some of these potential trades sort themselves out, then it could become closer to a guarantee that, yes, all four go in the top 10. Interesting. Uh, good stuff. You're listening and watching All Eyes on Cleveland special guest Nick Shook of NFL.com, fresh out of the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, where the Browns are. Uh, they started to pick 42, 98. We're talking day two stuff here. A lot of rumors and, and rumbling that they won't, aren't likely to stay at 42 because this class kind of, you tell me if I'm if I'm wrong here, but kind of what we've heard a little bit is this class kind of levels off at, at some point, and there's some good depth there where you may not get a huge difference between a guy at, say, like 50 and 70, right? So trading back may make a lot of sense for the Browns. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're, they have a propensity for that anyways. So uh, thoughts on them moving back, uh, likely, or even maybe there's been some rumblings about them using 42 on a player even. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been seeing as well is that you know they maybe use that as a trade chip to go get an instant impact player right now. We all know they need to address the defensive front. Um, you think about guys like DeForest Buckner in there. Free agency-wise, you think about guys like Draymond Jones, um, maybe Javon Hargrave, but that doesn't really seem to fit the Andrew Berry approach. Definitely wouldn't fit the Sashi Brown approach of old, that's for sure, because he's 30 years old. So you know that's about the line of demarcation when it comes to whether yeah. they add that guy or not. So I think that they end up spending that second round pick in a trade to get an instant impact player like like a Buckner or somebody else. Um, there are options out there to improve that unit, and it's going to be a focal point because of what Jim Schwartz focuses on with his front seven. So I would guarantee that they add pieces there. How they go about that, not so certain, but I would think that's priority priority number one on that list. Um, and then I think about like. I still think they need another receiver and I know receiver yeah. is like a sexy position. So everyone's always going to want a receiver, but I actually do think they need one. They could go draft and they can go free agency there because I think there is some depth in this receiver class. There's not the top end talent of recent classes, not at least not in my opinion. Um, the, the game breakers, the multiple game breakers that you saw in a class like last year with Olave and Wilson and guys like Drake London. I just don't think those guys are in this class. So I think the depth options are there. There's going to be available guys. Some of the guys I saw, in this combine that really impressed me, I think are going to be available, you know, guys like uh, tank Dell guys like Josh downs, maybe who are there. I think Jackson Smith and Jake was the only receiver in that group. That's really going to be an early pick. Um, so, and you know, maybe like a Zay flowers. I loved his workout as well. He was one of like the first guys that didn't make the cut from my top three, uh, but I think there's depth there. So I think they can go that route, but I think above all their front seven, they got to address it. And I think they're going to probably have to swing a deal to get that done and put it in a position where like you feel confident about them because let's face it, you cannot go into the season again with Perion Winfrey, Jordan Elliott types, Taven Bryan, even playing those positions and expect to win. Can't do it. Uh, not at all. I don't think they plan to either. <clears throat> um, as far as that goes, like, I don't think a, kind of talked about this i don't think addressing defensive tackle like early in the draft is probably the best way uh when you have to get better right away there i think they're probably better off addressing that in free agency and then maybe if they want a project later that's fine or whatever um 
because, you know, interior defenders have a, more of a learning curve in the NFL, right? Uh, interior defensive line guys do. If you're looking at edge, because they do need to still go edge opposite Miles Garrett, uh, Alex Wright is not ready to start. Uh, Jadavion Clowney will not be back. They'll probably be looking there in free agency. But say they did pick at 42 or sometime in day two there, uh, are there some edge there guys there that you like uh, that would be worth taking in that range? Uh, I think there is some depth there that could be um, perused to to find a, an answer at the position. Um, you know, you're not necessarily. I mean, you got like like Nolan Smith. Where does he go? Because he had a great workout, but where does he go as an edge defender? He kind of projects to be like a Hassan Reddick, who took a few years to really get his feet under him in the NFL. Um, but then you have the studs like Will Anderson, who are going to come out in you know the the top 15 picks of the draft, right? Because he's yeah. one of the best players in this draft. And then you got the like the kid from Northwestern, uh, Adabaware, who is a guy who doesn't have the length of a t- typical edge rusher, but also put together a really good workout. And some of the tape lends you to think, you know, leads you to believe that maybe he ends up being an impact player. Um, I think there's a lot of depth to that position that you could strike in the second, third round. Uh, you know, I like the Yaya Diaby kid from Louisville. Uh, Lucas Van Ness is built like Hercules, a really kind of a throwback Justin Smith type of edge rusher, maybe not quite as talented. Uh, the Jose Ramirez kid from Eastern Michigan, that's another one. Uh, Tui, Tui, Tui Pulotu from USC had a good workout. Yeah. So there's, there is some depth. It's just like the t- it's not top-heavy, which is good for what the Browns are looking for, and maybe that could be how they address it. Day, you know, day two picks, second, third round, you got to add one of those guys. Because unless you're going to find an instant contributor via trade or in free agency – I just don't think that you can't proceed with how with how you are right now. Like we can right. agree with the, the fact that you cannot continue with the way you're structured right now. It's just a matter of finding the right replacement because like I'm looking at Greg Rosenthal's top one on one right now for free agents and Zach Allen's listed eighth. And I loved Zach Allen in Arizona last year. I thought he was one of the most underrated players in the NFL. He had a great season. Um, I, I, that doesn't really move the needle, though, in, in terms of what you're going to sign free agency wise. He's probably going to command more money than you expect maybe like a Marcus Davenport, but he's struggled to stay healthy uh, throughout his career. So you kind of go through this list and you look at the free agency class and you go, you know, I, I don't really know if the the, the value is there. If, if There's no top-end guys that you really think about. Although I would love to see a Yannick Ngakwe with the Browns and if you can get him at a cheap yep. deal. But again, you know, I don't know if you're going to get him at a cheap deal. So there are some options, but I think it's more if you're adding young guys in depth, you know, maybe you sign one and you add a depth guy um, through the draft and, and you trade that second round pick for an interior lineman. And suddenly you've got three new pieces there that you work with. It's just a matter of allocating the resources for their needs, because, you know, without that first round pick, it does get a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Uh, I tend to think, you know, a lot of big names like Hargrave and Draymond Jones, as you mentioned earlier, and uh, you know some of the edge guys you just mentioned are being thrown around. I tend to think, Nick, they probably kind of uh, piece piecemeal it together, like maybe not the twenty million dollar guy or the fifteen million dollar signing, but maybe like an Anyamada or. Uh, maybe, you know, an Sean Robinson, somebody that you can get uh, in the middle uh, or day two or three of free agency, or, you know, uh, that isn't quite as expensive, maybe like in the five to seven million APY area or the five to ten APY area. And then, you know, maybe two of those guys on the interior area if you have to. I mean, I don't really trust anybody they have on the roster to start a defensive tackle right now. Um, and, uh, at edge, I like the idea of getting like a, even a rotational piece 
at edge in free agency and then drafting a guy too and kind of piecing it together. Uh, they certainly need a lot of new bodies up there for um, uh, Schwartz taking over. Uh, you like that hire? Yeah, I love that hire. I think um, I think that it makes a ton of sense um, for what they need to become defensively. Uh, be a little bit more aggressive, utilize Miles Garrett better than they have. You know, get that wide nine involved, and um, and you need an experienced mind that's going to be able to handle the criticism, and it also brings a resume that you know, gives him a little bit of um, credit with Browns fans because Joe Woods has been in their crosshairs each of the last two years and for good reason at times. And I think you need more consistency out of that unit. And and part of that's going to be that you need to add more talent to the front seven. And that's a guy who's going to focus on that. So, yeah, I thought it was a good hire. And it's also a veteran um, experienced coach to kind of support Kevin Stefanski, you know, as he still focuses more on the offense as the play caller kind of gives you your defensive half, like your split CEO type of situation where Stefanski's overseeing the team and he's running the offense, but he doesn't have to worry about the defense because he's got a guy he can trust in Jim Schwartz. It makes a lot more sense than a Joe Woods. Yeah. And uh, different personality too, right? Like uh, kind of an ass kicker compared to the even keeled Stefanski. And then Bubba Ventrone spoke today. They brought him in uh, assistant head coach and special teams, uh, so brought him back, a former player of the Browns, uh, and had his presser today. Not much to really gleam from all that, but uh, um, I want to ask you about these receivers real quick. Again, uh, you mentioned a number of them, but one that keeps popping up for us is Tyler Scott. Uh, where do you think he goes? And were you disappointed by his 40 time? Yeah, I thought it'd be in the four threes. Uh, the tape tells me four threes, and you know, a four 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 is not really what I anticipated from somebody at his size. You know, one hundred seventy seven pounds at five ten. I thought it'd be in the four threes because I mean, there's there's that highlight of you know him catching the pass over the middle and just outrunning the whole defense. And you wonder, well, college speed versus pro speed does is yeah. his greatest asset? Does it actually translate to the next level? Um, yeah. And that's a bit of a concern because when you get a guy who's a burner, now you don't want a John Ross type who runs. An incredibly fast 40 and is nothing but a speedster <laughs> who can't run a route tree and struggles with Anthony Schwartz. Else. Yeah, and Anthony Schwartz, an unpolished receiver who's fast and is just fast. Yeah. Can't really do much of anything else. You want somebody who's able to do a lot of different things, which is why I actually, you know, in my free agency fits, I, I paired the Browns with Paris Campbell just because I think you can get him on the cheap. And he finally had his first fully healthy season last year. He's a Northeast Ohio kid. He grew up in Akron. He went to St. Vincent St. Mary. He went to Ohio State. And, and he's finally starting to become a complete receiver who can be a big play guy who I think would compliment Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper really well. So I don't know if you go to the draft again for a receiver, unless, you know, maybe it's the day two type of situation. And, and that's where Scott would fall in. There are a number of good players there, but to select a guy there and expect him to come in and make a difference right away. I think you're looking for a little bit of fool's gold there. Maybe you go veteran and then you draft another guy. You fill out that core because let's face it. David Bell was, you know, the big 10 receiver of the year and everything, but we know what he is. He's physically limited. He's supposed to be a good slot guy. Uh, he was hurt early and struggled to get on the field before he started to kind of figure it out a little bit. You can't go into the season, much like that front seven, you cannot go into the season with the same group and expect to win because at that point you're nearing the, the definition of insanity. So I think you yes. attack it from multiple angles, much like you do that defensive front seven. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, do you think he lasts till 98 in the draft? I don't think he helped himself too much the combine. Um 
I mean, he's he's ranking just outside of the top ten of receiver, and it depends like if if these teams don't like the receivers that much and they're not sure. willing to spend first round picks on them, then you get a glut of them in in the second round, the third round of the draft, and maybe one of those guys is there. But that's the back end of the third round. So yeah, I I don't know if I maybe he's in the third round. I'm not sure if he's there at the back end of the third round. I think his comp was T Y Hilton. Uh, yeah. According, yeah, that's what Lance Zierlein wrote. And what's what was when was or, T-Rod uh, drafted? Was he- or Lockett? I've heard some Tyler Lockett. Uh, I, I think Lockett's uh, actually going a little too high for him to be completely uh, frank. Yeah, at this okay. point, at this point, and Ty was um, you know, he was drafted 92nd overall. So back in 2012. Okay. So maybe that is kind of a fair expectation. Maybe he is there at that point. I honestly think if you're sitting there and there's a number of receivers out there, I'm not going to him first. Um, I, I'm looking right. at some of the other guys that really impressed me. I, I think Tank Dell's awesome, man. I, I, I thought I, when I watched his workout, I was like, that guy is going to be a catch and run master. He's going to be a route running master. He's going to catch. He's going to make the first guy miss and pick up extra yards. And, and that's kind of what they need in this offense right now. So uh, you pair so, that with a, with a guy who's a speedster or, or a guy who can get down the field, take the top off the defense. Then you're looking at a pretty well-rounded receiving core. What is uh? What did Dell run in the forty? He's like a four five or four four. Um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I can actually tell right you here. in just a second here. I think I think you're about right. Uh, it wasn't as fast as maybe some because he's not he's not he's quicker than he is fast. He's kinda short like, space fast. Yeah, he's right? kind of like Jackson Smith and Jigba in that regard. Although he's more agile than Jackson is. Um, he. <laughs> He, I'm t- he's like got water bug quickness. He ran a four four nine, and and okay. he didn't do the three cone of the shuttle. So you don't have a measurement on what that is. Maybe he does it at his pro day. But I'm telling you right now, just from what I saw on the field, the way he moves is different than the rest of these guys in this class. And it just every once in a while, you sit in that stadium, you sit in the suite, and you watch guys work out, and you see a guy who just moves differently. And you're like, that guy's gonna like Tristan Wirfs moved differently than the rest of that tackle class, and that was the same class as Jed Wills and some other guys. And what is worse? He's an all pro. So yeah. sometimes you can just see it with the naked eye that this guy is going to be a playmaker at the next level. And I saw it in him. All right. Uh, so you like Dell uh, and you like him maybe for the Browns. I think I saw you put uh, you, the Browns as a, a good fit there. What did, were you disappointed by Downs this 40 time? Um, yes and no. I mean, size wise, it, it's kind of like Tyler Scott where he's, you know, he's five nine, one seventy one. He's a small guy. He ran a four four eight, but at the same time, he's another guy that I'm really not worried about because he's polished. Like he's yeah. going to be a just a good route running slot receiver at the okay. NFL level. He's just he just is like everything looked easy for him. He's going to step in. He's not going to have a high learning curve. He's going to be able to make plays right away. He's not going to be a burner. He's not going to be a superstar necessarily, but he could be very much. I, like I, I don't even know what his his comp was Kadarius Tony. I think that's actually. I think Tony's a little more explosive than than Downs is. But if Downs okay. ends up being that explosive and you pair it with how polished he is, then he'll be a legit playmaker at the next level. Uh, I loved his workout. He was one of my favorite guys in this whole group. And I think whoever he goes to, he'll make them happy, uh, provided that the the fit is right, of course. Yeah. Uh, is he there at 42? Probably. Maybe. Yeah, maybe because it depends. Like, are teams in the first round really seeking receivers? Because then they might overdraft yeah. him. Um, it's tough because I could see somebody loving his tape and his workout that much that they'll be like, yeah, 42, he's our guy. But it's also relative to the class. Like, in last year's class, he's not going at 42. Because right. that's like right around where George Pickens went. And I'm taking yeah. George Pickens over him every day. And if you okay. compare them with those types of athletes, He's a low, he's a lesser quality receiver, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to still go in that range because it's all relative to the class. 
Uh, I think it's just a matter of how the draft board kind of sorts out. I don't think that the Browns would be it. I mean, I would rather if, if I was the Browns, I would rather trade that pick for an instant contributor and try and package it for somebody like a Buckner than I would spend it on Josh Downs. And that's not an indictment of, of Downs. I think he's going to be a good player. It's just it's a value thing. Absolutely. All right. That makes sense. Let's look here. Uh, a lot of people like Mims. Uh, what do you think about him? How, how did, was his workout and where, where does he go? Um, he did not stand out to me as much in his workout, which is, you know, not necessarily a criticism of him, but it was okay. just, um, I, I had a number of guys in this list. Like I had like the kid from Princeton, uh, Andre Iasovis or however you say his yeah. name. Yeah. That, that kid's Robert Woods, man. He's he, that kid's going to be a player at the next level. Really? Yeah. Okay. Jake Bobo. It looks like a lot like Chris Hogan. who used to play for the Patriots and the bills. He was another guy that, that I really liked a lot. Um, Mims not, he, you know, it's not that he didn't have a terrible workout. He just didn't jump off the, off the field to me with the eye test. All right. Here's a guy that intrigued me when I watched his 40 time. Cause he, I mean, I know he got an early start on that one or whatever, but didn't he test incredibly in the 40 he ran like a, and the gun was a little late. There was some controversy around his 40 time, but he's a burner, right? Trey Palmer. Um, I would actually have to look up his numbers, uh, here. Let's see. Oh yeah. He ran a four, three, three, which is the fastest of all receivers. <sighs> Uh, at six foot one ninety two, that makes you raise an eyebrow. That's right. Is an eyebrow. He's a former five star recruit. Um, he transferred, transferred to yeah, Nebraska from, from LSU. Uh, it's interesting to see where he ends up. Uh, I maybe that's a guy that you're like, hey, that number man. There's some athleticism that maybe we could tap into. Maybe you weren't in the right fit in college, and we can you know really capitalize on that. But as of now, because you have to take in the body of work in college too, and the fact that right. he had to transfer and he ended up playing in Nebraska, which isn't the most explosive offense, kind of leaves a bit of a blind spot. But that number, man, that forty number, that's something that you a need verified, which you're never really going to get verified <laughs> at a pro day because they, well, they let's just say they they like to fudge the numbers a little bit, make the program look good. Uh, And they're all hand timed and everything else. And hand timers can be wildly uh, inaccurate or just very different based on who's doing the timing. But uh, he's a guy that because of that 40 time, you take a second look at him and see if maybe he's the right fit. All right. Very cool. Like I, he could be there at 98, right? Like he's a guy that people will look at the production and you look at his 40 time, like in his size, I'm like very intrigued. Could, I mean, he was productive at Nebraska, but he was the only guy, right, like that produced and that, and like you said, it's a totally different thing going from LSU to Nebraska and catching footballs in that wide receiver core. So uh, it's it's hard. He's hard one to pin down, but that 40 time and size combined makes me very intrigued. Yeah, he seems like uh, he maybe lacks a little bit of polish, but the physical skills are there. And sure. it's just a matter of getting him to the next level. Not lacking polish like an Anthony Schwartz, for example, but just like, isn't quite complete yet. And maybe that's just because he wasn't in the right fit in college and had to transfer and didn't get to develop the way that some other guys do. And maybe you get him in the right situation. He does, but is the right situation Cleveland? I don't know. Not with, with the expectations that they're carrying. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, that's a good point. All right. So I also look at, you know, we're looking at all this. It's it's a poor free agency class. You mentioned Paris Campbell. He was my favorite guy out of the class. Another guy that intrigues us here in Cleveland, obviously, is McCall Hardman because they really need somebody to stress defenses vertically and horizontally, right? And they just don't have that guy. Paris Campbell seems like an ascending player. If he can stay healthy, he looked much better last year. 
Um, and then you have Hardman, who's coming off of surgery, but certainly has, you know, a couple rockets up his ass. I mean, he can fly. So, like, do you do you like Hardman as a potential fit in Cleveland? Uh, if money was not an object, yes. Um, you think, think he gets paid that much? Uh, no, but it, you have to think about the the workable cap space the Browns are dealing with right now because like Spotrac has him uh, projected at like ten million a year, and if yeah. you're work if you're the Browns and you're working with you know I don't know like right now they're in the red but let's say they restructured Deshaun and they and they clear some other space and you're working with let's say you get to like thirty million right are you going to yep. spend a third of that on one receiver when you have so many other needs and I, I don't know if that's necessarily the the wisest thing. Now, if you take the money out of it, I say absolutely go get him because he is, he's a playmaker. He's a burner. He's a guy that's proven that in Kansas City, provided he's been healthy. And I think he would add that element that you're missing in your offense right now. He's certainly better than Anthony Schwartz. He's, he's certainly better than David Bell. He would bring a lot more to your offense, especially if you're going to open it up like everybody says. Um, but again, it's got to be at the right price. That's why I go with the Campbell because I think Campbell just doesn't fetch quite as much as he does. Yeah, I don't think he gets as much in it. Maybe you can do like a one-year prove-it deal because he has he doesn't have the production numbers, you know. I mean, I think he was at 650-some yards or whatever last year as his best year, but he was healthy and he, he was explosive. So um, I'm intrigued by him. I liked, I saw that you wrote that I like him as probably their best option in free agency uh, as well. Um, my other question would be... Uh, about you mentioned the Browns offense opening up, right? Um, what Matt Matthew Barry wrote uh, a column, I, I don't know if you read it, about the Browns, uh, what his takeaways from the combine, and basically his takeaway about the Browns was they're gonna go like five wide and throw it all over the place, and Chubb's gonna get like 12 carries a game, and they're gonna throw it 40 times a game, right? Like that was what he was hearing. <clears throat> Do you think they're going that far uh, to Watson? Or will it be somewhere in the middle? Uh, I mean, like, so there's been a lot of... The topic around here is, like, if you're only going to run Nick Chubb 12 times a game, you're paying him all this money now, like... Uh, there's that, there's that graph, right. Of all the, the Super Bowl uh, running backs all getting paid like $2 million in like the last 12 years. Right. Like, is it worth, if you're going to change the offense that much, is it worth getting off of trying to trade Nick Chubb and see what you can get for him? No. Um, because two things, I think envisioning them as a five wide offense frequently is a bit of a dream. Um, it's very college and I think that there's still value in the running game. Is there value at running back? A lot of teams would say no, but if you go back to the Super Bowl and ask yourself, how did the chiefs actually get back into that game? They ran the crap out of the ball with Isaiah Pacheco and got yep. the Eagles on their heels. And so there is still, and that's a team that's a you know, spread style offense. And yet they relied heavily on a hard running running back. And there are a few running backs, if any, in the NFL who run harder than Nick Chubb and are more difficult to bring down than maybe, I don't know, Derrick Henry, who I think is, nearing the his meeting with father time here in the next couple of years so i think chubb's still in his prime he's making money but he's not making a crazy amount of money the cap number is kind of you know getting up there and it's like 14 million this year but at yeah. the same time i think it's foolish to jettison him and think you're going to get a massive return on him when you're not because the same logic that tells you 
let's trade him right now if we're not going to use him. Well, that same logic powers everybody's valuation of running backs, which is we don't give up first round picks for running backs anymore. We're not Jim Irsay making a trade for Trent Richardson. Okay. Like those days are gone. So I think the value is still more in your favor if you keep him in your offense because. You know, this is an issue that Browns fans had last year. The fact that yes. every time they ran them 20 plus times, they won games and they didn't, they lost games and, and they don't give them the ball enough. But what people fail to realize is that Chubb can still be a weapon out of the backfield. He's been working on catching passes out of the backfield for three years. Like when I was with the Browns in 2019, I remember being at training camp and in, in, in mini camp, watching him working on catching passes repeatedly to the point now where he can be a threat in the screen game and in swing passes and stuff like that. And I think that um, you keep that type of player, especially when if you think that they're going to go five wide, the guys they got right now, they're not going to do it very well with. I mean, they don't have you got Amari Cooper, right? you got Donovan Peoples-Jones, and you got David Njoku. That's it. Like, sorry, but Anthony Schwartz and David Bell are not you know, striking fear in the hearts of opposing defenses right now. So unless you go add another talent, we're, we're talking about a bit of a fairy tale here. Why not keep a guy who's one of the top three running backs in the NFL who can run the ball well out of the shotgun, who can keep defenses off balance? Because let's say you go four wide, but Chubb's still back there in the backfield in the shotgun. You still have to account for him. That's going to make up for some difficult personnel matchups because when you go four wide, they're going to go nickel. They're going sub package. Suddenly you got a lighter box. And guess what? Hand it off to Nick Chubb and he can pick up big yards. So I think the idea of trading him and trying to maximize value uh, is a bit of a dream because you're not going to get the value on him that you get out of him playing on your team and keeping this offense well balanced. So look, it's fun. We went through it three years ago when everyone was like, Go get Odell. Go get Odell. He's available. And they went and got Odell. And what happened? It never really worked out for them. The, the whole searching and, and big game hunting tends to not work out, much like free agency. Those who win free agency tend to not win games unless you're the Jaguars last year. But that was kind of a unique situation. So let's stop. I'm just This is my message to Browns fans because I see this on Twitter all the time. Stop with the idea of trading Nick Chubb, at least now. If it gets serious, then you can consider it. You can find ways to console yourself when you realize that he's gone. But I don't think it's realistic because it just does not make sense in terms of value. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if you could get, what, at best, like a third back for him. I mean, Dalvin Cook is on the trade block. Yeah, and that's not worth it. A third is not worth Nick Chubb. It's not worth it, right, yeah. And then, and at the same time, your point about the five wide, like, they need another good receiver just to run 11 personnel 70 percent of the time right like i mean let's be real about this not five wide so uh well said i I agree with you um trades last question here and i'll get you out of here you've been fantastic nick uh trade market for wide receiver for uh, there's some guys out there now. I guess Darius Smith wants to get cut. Frank Clark is out there. there there's there's cap casualties. There's trades. There's guys getting cut. Uh, is there anybody on the trade market? You mentioned DeForest Buckner, right, as a real possibility. Uh, anybody else, like wide receiver wise, you see, think that the Browns could, you know, try to get a Cooper esque type deal like if they take the money on and give up a you know a mid-round pick or something the only guy that really makes sense and you're probably not going to get him for a fifth is brandon cooks and and the reason i say that is because the texans don't need to clear like a ton of space like the cowboys did like like the reason you got a mark cooper last year is because the the cowboys were up against it like they needed to clear space desperately and they're like well 
We got CD Lamb, so you can have Amari for a, a late round pick swap. There you go. Merry Christmas. And it worked out, you know, wonderfully for the Browns and the Cowboys probably regretted doing it, but that's what they had to do. And the funny thing is, is 20 million a year was expensive at the time. And then, you know, Tyreek Hill gets 30 million a year and Christian Kirk gets over 20 million a year. And suddenly that's an affordable deal. So yeah. that was kind of a unique situation. I don't think you benefit that much. You could call it a fleecing or whatever. I don't think you benefit that much this time around. But the guy that makes sense is Cooks because he's won out of Houston for like two years. And yet yeah. he signs extensions and and basically because he has no other option. Why not try and see if you can pry him from their control? I don't think they'd be into it because he's still a playmaker. He's still an important part of their offense. And if they're going to go get a quarterback, he's going to need a guy like Cook. So I think that'd be def- difficult to pull off. The guy that I, I keep hearing mentioned with the Browns, that I'm it's kind of like the Odell thing, and it's kind of like the training Nick Chubb thing that seems like a bit of a fairy tale, is, is DeAndre Hopkins. Like, what what is, is it really going to be worth trading your top pick to go get DeAndre Hopkins? I don't know. Maybe a two. Maybe the two. But if you have so many other needs elsewhere – I'm not certainly on board with trading for a guy who's going to make a ton of money because not only are you gonna, is it going to cost capital, but it's going to take up a ton of your cap space. And if you got to go make all these additions with the defensive front seven and in other areas, it just doesn't quite make a logical sense for me. And I know, I know fans love to go big game hunting again. They love to go after the big time name and envision him in orange and brown, just like they envisioned yeah. Odell in orange and brown. But again, um, when that happens, it, I don't know if it, it usually doesn't pay off that well. I think we learned that lesson already with Odell. So um, I, I think you look at lower level now, if the Hopkins thing did happen, I wouldn't be shocked because Andrew Barry's not afraid of an aggressive trade, just like, uh, John Dorsey wasn't afraid of one either. Um, but it would take some serious cat maneuvering to be able to make that work and also be able to go add things in other spaces. And right now where they stand right now, they haven't done a Deshaun restructure. They, they still need to do a few things to get into a good spot to be able to make these moves. I just think it's unrealistic as of now. Yeah. Um, the Deshaun restructure is coming. I would think maybe Garrett too. So uh, you know, I, I think they they want to shop. You know, as somebody mentioned earlier in the chat uh, to ask you that. You know, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick here before you. I let you go. Uh, that you know, we heard this stuff about Barry being ultra aggressive or hyper aggressive, right? Um, at the combine. You know, what does that mean? Like, just exploring all options, he, you know, because, um, I mean, they can, technically, they can clear a good amount of money if they want to really go all in, right? And they need to retool the front on the defense. Yeah, from what I'm looking uh, at right now, they could clear, between Watson and Garrett, if they restructured both of them, they could clear forty five, almost $46 million in space. Yeah. And they're currently four, 14 over as of today on over the cap. Yeah. So you're looking at like 31 in space suddenly, yeah. which is, and you're only carrying, you know, 7.7 in dead money. So that's a nice spot to be in. Um, and then you pay that price later with void years and everything else. But um, I didn't get a sense of extreme aggression from him, at least when he spoke. What I got was a sense of the Browns as an organization keeping everything very close to the vest. Like just saying, yeah, we could do that. We might do that. No, we feel pretty good. No, we're not going to really get into that. Like that's kind of what they did. The only thing where I spotted a lie was when Kevin Fancy was asked by somebody whether he felt as of now that they had the personnel defensively to work in Jim Schwartz scheme. And he's like, yeah, I feel confident we do. And everyone there had to be like, we know you're lying. Like we know you have to add pieces. Like that is a huge lie. So I think that they are going to be aggressive in that sense because they have to, it's out of necessity. You've got to go add those guys. 
but it's not like Dorsey selling the farm to go make a couple splashes type of aggression. I think that Andrew Barry has proven that he's measured with the moves that he makes. A lot of them are savvy. I can't really think of a move he's made that's been really bad. Um, and, and he tends to spend his draft. I like most of his draft picks. This past year was kind of, I mean, they didn't have a lot of, you know, top end capital, yeah. but in previous years, I did like a lot of the picks that he made the DPJ pick, the Nick Harris pick, which it's a bummer. He got hurt. I thought that he would really prove himself last year and maybe he can this year coming off that torn ACL. We'll see. Um, but I think that, uh, he'll be measured and, and pretty smart and logical in his moves. Uh, I lied. One more question here from our, uh, whatever happened to Will Fuller? I heard something about him not having a desire to return to football. I don't know if that, if there's any truth to that, do you know what ever happened to Will Fuller? Uh, I haven't heard anything about him in a while. Um, I mean, he had that time in Miami and, and he kind of disappeared. I mean, he got hurt and then he's just been out of the picture. Um, that's a guy that I hate to say it, but that's one of those guys that's been, a golden goose of sorts for fans because he's so fast. You know, he's game breaker, right? He's a guy you put in Madden and you just run him deep and you just throw yeah. him the ball and he scores a ton of touchdowns. And you think, why can't they do that in real life? A lot of it's been injuries. And I think the, the getting hurt over and over and over again, the way he has takes a toll on you mentally that maybe just makes you think, I don't want to play football anymore. And I don't know if that's the case. Yeah. I haven't really heard anything on whether he's has a desire to play again, but there's been no movement on him. There's been no like rumblings regarding him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just kind of fades away. Yeah, there has to be a reason that nobody is, you know, giving him a shot uh, at this point, right? Like, teams need guys with speed, and if he really was like, hey, I'm working out, I'm ready to play, I'm sure somebody would have given him a shot in the last year, and we haven't seen any of that. So I, I got to think there's a reason there. Listen, Nick Shook, go follow him on Twitter, the Nick Shook. He writes for NFL.com. Go check out both of his pieces on the Combine. Actually, you've got more than two, but a uh, number of pieces on the Combine. You can find him on his timeline. He's fantastic. Friend of the show, thanks for coming on again. Again, Nick, I appreciate you taking out time for us. You're fantastic as always, and uh, 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 you're the best, man. Thank you. Yeah, Brad, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Anytime. All right, brother. Have a good one, okay? Yep, you too. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Nick Shook, fantastic. NFL.com and uh, around the NFL podcast uh, writing over there. Uh, terrific breakdown of all things uh, um, at the Combine. Let's bring in our very own Andrew Spade from the OBR. What's up, Andrew? How you doing, brother? I'm good, Brad. How are you, man? I'm good. Uh, did you catch any of uh, Nick's interview? I did. Yeah, I, I caught most of it. Okay. Yeah, good, good stuff there. From the combine, right? Yeah, yeah, good stuff from the combine. He was there all yeah. seven days. Yeah. He is a grinder, so uh, mm-hmm. you know, good stuff. Uh, information on uh, some of the players that we, you know, I wanted to ask him about. Got asked about. I wanted to talk to you tonight about a couple different things. Um, what did you think of what he said about the Nick Chubb trade? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think 
I think it's interesting. I, I we talked about it a little bit on Monday's show, uh, and you know, my my point with it has always been: if the price is right, you have to listen. You know, um, just just because we know how running backs tend to age, right? They they're they're here and then they're here. You know, it happens all at once. Uh, and if you can get good value for a player who in a year or two might not have any value, uh, it, it might be worth exploring, but it, it would have to be, the price would have to be right. You know, I mean, that's the, that's kind of the, the overarching thing. They're not really in a position right now where they want to get worse as a team. Right. So what they got back would have to be so good that it would allow them to do something else big that would overall, the net would net out in their favor. Right. So it'd have to be, to me, it would have to be a first round pick. Yeah, like, and I just don't think it's happening. Like, the way we see him now and he's being devalued, Nick made yeah. the great point. That's how other teams are going to see it, too. Like, right. he's not CMC. He's not, you know what I mean? I do. He, he, I uh, do. Although he's a f- terrific player, right. he's just not. Yep. Teams can get by with an I- Isaiah Pacheco, right? Like, right. And, they, and they know that, so. Yeah, it just takes one uh, team, though, right? I mean, if if, yeah. if the Dolphins, for example, I know they don't have a first round pick, but yeah, you know, if the Dolphins got hot to trot on him and and could put together a package that the Browns thought was worthwhile, or, or I mean, you know, I mean, you, you try and think of other teams. I mean, the Rams have been doing weird stuff trade wise with running backs for years. You know, I mean, I know they're, <laughs> they're like cutting costs everywhere else, but I don't know, man. I, I it just it only takes one team. So um, if there if there is a team that had that first round pick or equivalent, you know, two seconds or something, it would be like, it'd be hard to say no. Yeah. I think if that value was there, it would change the conversation. But I think if you're, if you're getting offered a third, I'm good. And I, and I like what, what Nick said about that, that five, the article from Barry about the five wide and is a little bit of a dream scenario there. That doesn't seem very realistic. Um, I think you're probably looking at a higher percentage of like 11 personnel and stuff, mm-hmm. but they're going to want to have Njoku involved and they're going to want to have Chubb involved. Yeah. Although it'll lot to be a shotgun run. Uh, I don't think they are going to fully take those guys like out of the equation of the offense. It would be um, such a huge transition in one year to go from mostly it, it under center and mostly tight end based offense to five five wide that would be pretty exciting. five wide is is pretty dramatic yes yeah. uh uh did you listen to bubba ventrone today uh no i didn't i had i have not had time uh okay you didn't miss anything don't and, worry and, uh, yeah no i i mean i i saw some of the you know some of the the snippets on on uh <laughs> on twitter just about you know toughness and uh well, what did he say drilling fundamentals basically drilling them to death so yeah <laughs> Uh, Super Surge is coming in here. Um, only thing that makes me think twice about the five wide comment is I remember, you know, uh, have ramming it empty sets down our throats when Baker proved he couldn't uh, do it. I, I agree, but like going, um, lining up in, in a and then going empty where you take that's different than a, exactly. like a five wide spread right. that you know, right. that's kind of a. Yeah. You're looking for a mismatch with a running back on a linebacker, or uh, you know, you get a, a, a slow safety on a on a um, yeah, yeah. A he, slot he does that against Pittsburgh to take advantage of their linebackers. That's what exactly. It is. It's, to, yeah. it's all it's, you know, it's to beat up on Robert Spillane and the other inside linebackers they play. Yeah, 
true spread five wide, they're going to have a bunch of defensive backs on the field. Right, they, exactly. And, and yeah, you know, the Browns, the Browns, there were games last year where the Browns didn't have five active wide receivers. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> they they don't they don't have it they don't have enough they need yeah. all right so if you have uh your pick of how uh the browns address got a receiver this year uh who would it be in from where would you rather have them draft one of these guys that you like a lot do you like somebody in free agency more than anybody else or do you like somebody in the trade best it's you so you get your choice. I, I appreciate you giving me that choice. Thank you very much. I, um, I do what I can. I yeah, do what I can. It's very generous of you. Uh, yeah. You know, the thing for me, I, I was thinking about this today because this is this really to me is like the defining question of the offseason. We all know they got to do stuff with the defense, right? They're going to bring sure. in free agents on the defense. You know, I, I think it will remain to be seen if they spend big on any of them or if they just kind of plug holes, right? But they're going to spend money on, on defense. They have to. Uh, what they do on offense, you know, I think is so interesting because my reasoning for being in favor of adding a wide receiver is essentially I want to know without a shadow of a doubt where Deshaun Watson stands and where Kevin Stefanski stand this year. I don't want any question. Excuses. Exactly. I don't want any I don't want to get to the end of twenty three and somebody's saying, Well, they didn't have any wide receivers. You know, Cooper got hurt in the second game and they didn't have any wide receivers, so we can't really hold this offense against them. No, 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 no. So they need, to me, they need another legitimate pass catching option this season, which means you have to either go free agency or trade. I think you're going to overpay in free agency. So now I'm looking at the trade market. The, the funny thing about the trade market, the wide receivers that are available, not many of them fit what the Browns need, right? Um, there's, there's a lot of duplication of what they have, right? Exactly. Um, you know, and of course, generally speaking, nobody's just like, "Hey, this guy's a great deep threat and very fast. Uh, why don't you take him off our hands?" You know, so um, I, I think the answer is DeAndre Hopkins, uh, just because of the chemistry between him and Watson. I don't think you can, you know, make enough about that. I think that's so yeah. key, and you know, and then I think he has the ability to be open when he's covered because of his incredible catch radius. You know, and his skill set doesn't age in the same way that a guy that wins with speed as he gets older, he, you know, he loses that advantage. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be winning with with the same uh, incredible ball skills this year as he was when he was at Clemson. Yeah, the the thing about Hopkins is it's like, oh, people are like, oh, well, he doesn't solve the speed. It doesn't matter if he solves the speed problem. He is right. good enough of a receiver exactly. that right. it changes the, the entire offense. So and now Amari Cooper uh, is your second option, right? He's getting yes. matched up on their second cornerback. And, yeah. and Amari is good enough to toast most second cornerbacks in the league. So now you've got two, you know, you re- it's really a 1A, 1B because Cooper is a, is a one. He's just not like a strong one. Right. Right. I, I totally agree. Uh, so there's all, all this rhetoric about Adam Thielen today. I wanted yeah. to put this to rest real quick here. <laughs> I am uh, hard pass. Don't yeah. do not do it. He's right. going to be 33 years old next year. Right. His PFF grade in 2020 was 87. 2021 was 74. Last year was 65. His yards went from 925 to 720 to 716. Uh, he was playing, 
50 percent uh in the slot 50 percent out wide from 2015 to 2019 that has yep. gone down to 30 percent in the slot and 70 percent out wide you're talking about a guy that has lost a step and is declining rapidly please do not acquire adam thielen and try to pass that off as an answer yep thank yep. you yeah no i mean amen uh I, you know, the only thing I would say about that is that uh, he he would add, you know, the this all the catchphrases, cliches about veteran presence, you know, and you know knows the system and all that sort of stuff. So if, if you if they were if they had their heart set on a wide receiver at forty two or somewhere in the second round, you know, if they move around a little bit, adding that player and Thielen, you know, together would make sense because because now you've got you know, you've got the sort of the insurance policy in case that rookie is just not ready to do it in year one. Um, but I agree with you that it's a much riskier way to go because, you know, and, and really like the, the, the thing that this all reveals to me, like when you look at what the wide receiver market looks like year in, year out. Yeah. And that's a great point, Dr. Nico. Um, the, the, the real problem with the roster, and I like Donovan Peoples-Jones, but the, the problem is that because he, even though he's young, because he's not like, you know, the best deep threat and he's, you know, he mostly, he doesn't run great routes. And so, you know, it's like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, because he's not good, I mean, not good enough, right, but is still taking up a spot and then maybe is getting extended. They, it's, it's very strange to have like a, such a solid number two two wide receiver but not have like that number one option and so it, i think it puts them in this weird position where you think about adding a guy like thielen it's like well that doesn't change the composition of the room they have no. to change the composition of the room and that's really hard to do when cooper and dpj it feels like are kind of samey uh dr nico saying yeah. so yeah the the whole Cortland sutton thing it, it was judy and now it sounds like they're shopping sutton um and like so again i really like Cortland sutton as a player but i think we're repeating uh, right. what you just said like i don't he doesn't change he's right. a nut he changes the room and that he's better than any by far than their third pass catcher so don't, don't get me wrong like he would be an upgrade and he would yep. make the offense better but I think what they want to do, ideally, if possible, you want to make the offense better with a different kind of receiver that's right. going to stress defenses vertically and change the way that they can guard you all over the field. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would be, I would be in on Sutton. I, I would be in on Sutton. But I, agree I with like you, him Brad, a lot. It's, yeah. yeah, it's 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 another it's another flavor, and his 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 performance has been erratic the last few i don't think it's a it's it's not a surprise that they've decided he's the the guy that they could move rather than judy um so it i i i just think how they do this how they address this will be very interesting right because yeah uh i i think that they they have a bunch of not ideal options and you know last year i wasn't in love with the cooper move when it happened uh, and then what happened the rest of the offseason kind of contextualized what a good decision that was. I kind of wonder if the same thing doesn't happen here where, you know, if maybe maybe it is Cortland Sutton and they pull off some sort of a heist for him 
and then you know the rest of the offseason unfolds in such a way that that seems like the move of the offseason yeah interesting um stuff to keep an eye on you know when you look at the trade market and you look at all these guys and yeah judy like you said judy changes to sutton makes more sense for denver right a little bit um if you want to keep judy long term but they're trying to get off of money out there so like it's intriguing and he to dr nico he does have some speed and he does he's he's a good enough receiver that he helps so i'm not downplaying it but i would just like like i don't think that the browns have a luxury at this point even if they got like a sutton Mm -hmm. who i think is a stud for a couple years right and restructure him or whatever and now you have this at least until donovan peoples jones you know uh, for this year and next year whatever you have these guys all under contract right i think that's right right and then you have to make a decision on people's jones and and or you or sutton or or cooper whatever and then so because of that i think you have to continue to draft wide receivers in at some point like trey palmer the idea of him his size and speed if you're going to get a guy like sutton let's go ahead and address whatever edge at you know with your first or second pick but try to get like a uh you know catch lightning in a bottle with a guy like palmer in like the fourth round right absolutely Uh, they have to continue to do that uh because you're gonna have to at some point the browns are gonna have to have guys on their roster and and then be able to say okay you can go in free agency we naturally have somebody to come in and fill your spot that's what good teams do the browns don't have that right now it's like okay if this spot doesn't work we got to go free agency trade draft and and address it immediately there's no backups there that are you know uh developing into roles Right. right it's a big problem andrew yes yeah yeah, no, I mean, the, the one of the disappointments, uh, you know, I talked with, with Jake about this on his podcast a few weeks ago. Um, who are the guys on offense that are going to be here at, like the third year out, right? Not for 23, not for 24, but for 25. And, and you know, David Bell would still have a year of his rookie deal if you think he's worth keeping around that long. Uh, Jerome Ford would have another cheap year. James Hudson, perhaps. And, you know, obviously Watson's going to be here uh, because of the way his contract is set up. And you start to run out of names pretty soon after that. So um, the the youth and, and depth on offense hasn't really showed shown up based on the draft picks that they've made. And so you definitely would like to see them bring some more of that type of um, talent into the into the team this year. And, and you'd really like to ideally, you know, see them start to develop their own. It's something that I feel like, you know, hasn't really been as strong as you'd like it to be across the roster, really, when it comes to like later round draft picks. I mean, obviously we're talking about people's Jones. He's the exception. All right. So you're watching all eyes on Cleveland. Andrew Spade is here. Nick Chuck uh, was on earlier, did a great job. Let's finish with this. Okay. So uh, it, this is, this is a huge time of year. I mean, Monday is it's all begins on monday so this kicks off so this is the last time i'm going to talk to you guys well if you listen to my podcast you'll hear from me uh on there but uh this is the last time i'm going to talk to you on this stream until 
post, probably we know some some serious yeah. answers as far as uh, <laughs> addressing the defense and offense. Yeah, right. Well, something will have happened by next Thursday night. So, um, and probably Monday or Tuesday or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, a prediction of percentage chance we get a trade before Monday from Dr. Nico. Uh, what do you think, Andrew? Trade before Ooh, Monday. I think it's better. I think it's more likely than not. So I'll say 60, 70%, something like that. You do. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think that um, I'll say if you give me Monday included in that, mm-hmm. I- I'll give you like 60% chance. I think something yeah. gets happened in the trade uh, if, you'll, if you'll include Monday in that. All right. So Mary Kay Cabot wrote this article, right? Um, yeah. And uh, it as Nick Wilson, my guest last week called it, it's name porn, right? It's, it's name <laughs> porn. Um, and, and so she drops all these, these five names as, uh, these were her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I just want to ask you about le- the legitimacy of this. Cause I thought this was a little asinine, but, uh, so this, these are the names that, uh, MKC wrote in her yeah. article that the Browns are targeting. Now, um, Let's go through them. Do you think that they, and Nick talked a little bit about this, like if they restructure, I know that they can restructure like mm-hmm. up to like $60 million. Right. Do, are they going to do that? Probably not. They don't want right. to go that far. Right. Uh, like Nick said, if you did Watson and Garrett, you're at like 30, right? Uh, of right. spending money. Right. So, um, people that seem to think maybe people, maybe she's right. I mean, she's been, she knows more insiders than I do. I just find it hard to believe that they're going to go so far into restructuring to make room for Jesse Bates and Javon Hargrave, uh, both or two big moves yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't even think they're going to get one big move. Let me be clear. Like, I, I don't even think they're going to go, uh, any players above like $12 million personally. Right. But do you think Javon Hargrave is possible? Yeah. I mean, I think I would just say, like, bottom line for all of these names, if the price is right, they'll do it. You know, I think they've they've shown that. Um, you At know, if, twenty million dollars, do you think I mean, they would? Well, do no, I no, I think the I think the price. That's what I mean by the price being right, though. Like it would it would be, it would be them taking uh uh you know taking less to come to Cleveland because either they want to be here, you know. I mean, Jesse Bates has the same agent as Deshaun Watson. Maybe there's something there. Um, but no, I mean, if if you're if you're talking sticker for all of these guys, they're passing. The only guy I could see on this list legitimately coming to Cleveland would be C.J. Gardner-Johnson because I well, think he's, he's less free, expensive. Right? Yeah, he's he's what? He's free. There's no, no there's no number there, so he's that's just yeah he, yeah he's free. No, uh, there there is no number there. That doesn't mean he's free. Uh, oh, okay. he, he yeah sorry sorry to clarify. Uh, forgot the price on the menu you get the meal for free uh yeah no he uh um it's like 12, i don't know right? what the, they haven't projected is it 12 is it that high is it really I'm doing that off the top of my head it's it's around okay. i thought it was around double digits wow but okay I, 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 st- I still i mean i said this in slack this week i think the Bates thing 
you know. I know. I wanted to ask you about that. You think this Bates thing has some legs maybe, right? Just, be, just because, and I think we talked about it before, just because they value the secondary so highly, you know. And, I mean, if, if the price is right and he's willing to, you know, to take a little bit less than he would, you know, he's going to get offered an absolute boatload by the, you know, the Bears probably and the, you know, name the t- teams with the f- most cap space. The You know, they're all going to back up the truck. But that sometimes that's not what it's about, right? Is it sometimes it's about where you want to go. And if the Browns are competitive without paying over the top for a player like him and he has a motivation to come here, I, I could see it happening, you know. But, um, yeah, and I think Ty Sox makes a great point there too. From a strategic standpoint, I would also just mention that, like, the Browns don't leak much on purpose, but this is the sort of stuff a week before free agency that it would be sensible to leak, right? That you're interested in every high-priced defensive free agent. Fumble says she's tiny. Interesting. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Good. Uh, we, we won't go any further into that. Yeah. Um, but the uh, as far as these these guys, these players, like this feels like just almost, and I'm not, I like, I like Mary Kate. She's fine, right? Whatever. It's not. Yeah, I mean, I, this I think feels almost every year. This feels almost like irresponsible. Uh, Javon Hargrave, <laughs> Jesse Bates, Yannick Ngakwe, Draymond Jones, yeah. CJ Gardner, as uh, somebody put in there, 13, uh, sorry, um, uh, the exalted one. Thank you. 13.3 on spot track. Yeah. Uh, did you, did you do that for me, Andrew? I did, yeah. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank Just you. Just a little bit of producing over here. Yeah, good job. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, you like, I like the idea of Yannick Ngakwe because he's a guy that will play. Sure. F- like full starter downs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and those guys are actually harder to find in this free agent class. Mm-hmm. But I think there's like. Maybe I'm wrong, but like I feel like the Okoronkwu guy from yeah. from Houston would be much cheaper and has a ton of upside. A very intriguing player. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's just options that are cheaper than all these guys that make more sense to me. Like, and I know you like Jesse Bates, but my pushback on Bates is. I, you said that before on to me they value the secondary. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they value safety. Okay. Like this position. Okay. Um is enough to spend fifteen million like does I guess I mean, Jesse they, Bates Jesse Bates is a good enough player that I guess you it's more yeah. than just getting a safety, you're getting like a playmaker, right? So I guess you could justify it that way. He's a tremendous player. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like, in any case, any of these contracts, they could get, like, three good players for 15, for like, three $5 million APY players and fill defensive tackle, a rotational edge, uh, a good one. And and a free safety, like, you know, Thornhill for – the same prices as Ngakwe. Right. So that seems crazy to me uh, to go to. Like, I don't think any of these come to fruition, to be honest. Uh, maybe I'm yeah. wrong, but I don't see anything like over $15 million happening. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think... If you only have 30 to spend... Right. No, I, I I know. I mean, I and I yeah. I mean, part of it is that they can they they have in the past they can go through, further, right? Well, and and through the use of void years, they can really buy down the first year. So you know, even if even if Bates is fifteen APY, his first year cap number could be as low as like six or seven. I think so. Yeah, um, or even even less if they right. Yeah, I mean, they, they have they ways to manipulate two if stuff. they wanted yeah, to. Yeah. Right. So so um, you know, I I, I think. Yeah, if I'm trying to handicap what I think they do, I yeah. do think that they probably want to to sign. There, there's there is a player, whether it's Bates or Hargrave or an Edge that they love. I do think that there is one player that they want to be a sort of another, you know, high paid like cog on the defensive side because they're you know they're moving on from JJ three. Um, so on defense, it's really you know in terms of high played players, it's really it's Garrett and and Ward right now, you know, and then a bunch of young guys that'll be up for contracts. But I think they have, I think they feel they have room for one more large contract on that side of the ball. So I I'm not I I don't have a sense of who it is, you know, I don't have a feel for that. But but I wouldn't I'm not in, in the thing of thinking it's unthinkable because I think if you look at the way that they've constructed the roster they are not afraid of large contracts, right? They mm -hmm. were not afraid to bring in $20 million of Mari Cooper. They obviously threw, you know, everything and the kitchen sink at Deshaun Watson. They've, they've paid up. They, you know, they set the market at guard with, with both Petonio and Teller, which is not a position that analytics typically values. Uh, you know, I mean, I think the John Johnson contract when they signed it was the highest contract for a safety or around there. So they, they're not, you know, I, I think, we maybe want to them to be, you know, more like what the Bengals have done, which is they sign three or four, you know, mediocre, medium level free agents and kind of cobble it together. That's not really how the Browns have done it. They've made a big splash, you know, Austin Hooper, uh, uh, Jack Conklin. And then they kind of, you know, the rest of the guys, they either do it with draft picks or they do it on the cheap. So it's really kind of a stars and scrubs approach, which I don't, think i love and i i mean i see the comments not a lot of our listeners or watchers viewers whatever love it but i do think that has been how they've done business it's interesting i've never really looked at thought about it that way andrew very uh in interesting intriguing stuff um i guess yeah um i you know like each team has to have a certain amount of star right like yeah so like i get that but like i feel like i i see what you mean like so if you look at the way they've allocated their funds though they they have had like 12 million invested in the other edge for the past right. two years right right so like my thing my thought here is like arden key at nine sure. million makes a ton of sense sure uh sure. at edge and then because then you you know you take him and then i think you draft an edge uh, another edge with Alex Wright, uh, who is not ready. But I right. think there are some depth, as Nick was talking about, there are some good edges that are going to be there between 40 and 70, If even if right. you trade back, that you can bring in at, rotationally. And between Key, Garrett, 
right and your draft pick you have edge taken care of hopefully right or maybe right. You, you could even throw in like a cheap veteran that you want to throw in there too like uh to bring to camp i mean there's a lot of guys that Arius smith uh is gonna right. you know right. got, is asking to be cut today so there's options out there uh so i feel like they would be better to attack it that way and then you can really like if you wanted to take on a big contract, my preference would be that it would be like DeForest Buckner's contract. I agree with you. I agree. Like with you. that would make a ton of sense to me. Yep. Yeah. No. And, and there's more flexibility because his, you know, his contract, all the guaranteed money is gone. So that it's right. His contract is the Cooper contract. It's just a year. You know, it's a, it's the next year, but it's the same. It's the same deal. So if that, yeah. I mean, if the, if a Buckner deal is on the table, I, I I like him better than any name on this list. Agreed. Because Agreed. of the way the contract is. And also, I think he's just a great player. He's 29. You probably got two more good years of him. Buckner and Garrett together is, woof. that's as good as it gets, man. Yeah, uh, I think so, too. Especially if you throw a good uh, a good edge opposite him that can, yeah. you know. And then, um, I don't know, you know, they could even do that and then they could even bring it like i don't like a lot of people are like oh you know perry on winfrey or jordan Elliott will end up starting next to a really good defense i don't think that's good enough I, agree. I think you need to attack defensive tackle not in the draft yeah. uh because i'm not a fan of watching these guys develop and they don't have time for them to develop. They have to win now. So I think even if you got a DeForest Buckner, still go get a low end like mm. like Ashawn Robinson is going right. to be somewhat cheap because he's coming off an injury, but he's a stud when he was healthy. Like somebody like that that can start next to him, mm. and you can have a really formidable front here. Yeah, I mean Elliot's Elliot's cap hit is like almost three million dollars because of his playing yes. time incentives after the first three years. So. I I think I mean from a if 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 I'm driving the bus I'm cutting Elliot because you save almost all of that money and I yeah. don't think he I don't think he should see the field for an NFL team this year. Yeah, me neither. I I don't know what they're going to do with him, man. It's yeah. crazy. I don't know I mean, it's, what it's, they're going to do. It's him and Harrison Bryant. Both of those guys are 20 draft picks that have these huge performance escalators. So now they're like 3 million dollar players and I don't think either of them are worth it. It's funny. Very good super search. Thank you. Yeah. I barely know her. Yeah, it's great. Um anybody else on here you want to talk about? Well, I do like I do think CJ Gardner Johnson hitting the market is interesting just because he's got that slot safety versatility. And um, you know, I, I think yeah. that sort of move movable piece uh could be interesting, but I don't know that that's really Schwartz's style. That's really more Joe Woods's thing. So um you know that's that's a name it's also the cheapest name on this list according to you know what the projections are so yeah that you know and he's he's a young guy and and i i think that could be interesting too because maybe you maybe you kind of kill two birds with one stone there between slot and safety and that gives you more versatility when you start looking at the draft and who's available at you know in in the late third early fourth those sorts of positions so I don't know. I I, ask him to play in the slot then you're not really letting him play free safety no, I, yeah. Well, I just mean on a matchup basis, right? Like yeah, if there's, yeah. You know, if you're playing like Kelsey, you you drop him into the slot. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, like 
I guess but they didn't do with John Johnson. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they, exactly. So they, um, you know, Draymond Jones is extremely intriguing because just because he's a rare tackle that is so good at getting to the quarterback. Like yeah. he's basically an end yeah. playing tackle. Right. Um, so it makes him more valuable. So th- he is intriguing. I don't know if he gets out of Denver. I I just don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I I think I think as I said, I I think that I could see any of these names if that's the player that that you know if Schwartz is is convinced that Draymond Jones is the guy that's going to make everything tick, and he's pounding the table for him. Then go you know, get him for him, right? Then I think they do it. I mean, I because I think they know they've got. They've got room for one more big contract on the defensive side of the ball. Interesting. Okay. Um, I think it's possible if they can avoid it and sure. split it up, yep. I'm, I'm down for that too. Because, it, like, to me there's, okay, wide receiver, safety, mm-hmm. right. two interior D-line, two edge. Like, there's too much right. to take, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like going grocery shopping with of, yeah. yeah. It's like going grocery shopping with 50 bucks and spending 40 of it on a bottle of bourbon, you know, like it right. Yep. You, yep. you, 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 well, you didn't even go to the produce section yet, you know. Well, like yeah, you well, got to get around. wasted, but then what? You can't even get into the club. <laughs> you don't have enough money to get into the club. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? It's crazy. All right. Uh interesting. Uh, any uh, parting words for us tonight, Andrew? Terrific job, brother. I appreciate your oh, I, it's my I, pleasure. Yeah, I um, greatly appreciate your astute takes on these things, and uh, the um, your uh, ability to think freely and and uh, push back against uh, you know con- you know uh, group think sometimes, and I appreciate that. So I love to get your thoughts on this stuff. Thank you. Um, and, uh, I think that, uh, you're very, uh, smart when it comes to this stuff. So I appreciate you coming on, um, after, uh, Nick got done. Mm -hmm. Uh, guys, this is exciting. Yeah, exactly. Like Paul says here, I mean, this is like Christmas. This is like, like this, listen, I'll say it like this. And Nick Wilson said this last week when he was on, like, I can't. I can't go out and fire, uh, find a better head coach than Kevin Stefanski and hire him and bring him in here. Uh, I don't think Haslam can. I don't think Andrew Barry can. So, like, we need this to work out. Like, I, I, I mm. want this to work out so badly. Like, if they have to start over with a new coach and a regime and this, it will be disastrous. Like, let's not get there. And, and that all starts on Monday, like, or, or even before then if they start the trade, because they have to find a way to win this year. It is, it, it, you know, as Ty Sox is saying, it, it, now is the time. Like, there's no, yeah. you got to find a way to get it done. Uh, I almost forgot to ask you, what did you think? Of, did you watch Stefanski on Pardon My Take? I did. I did. I, I yeah. I mean, I he think he was that- good. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the overall conversation about it, I think the the point that a lot of people have made is it's a shame that he's been the head coach for over three years, and this is the first time we got to hear him talk like that. Yeah, he, they, you know, they do a good job, obviously, of getting people to open up, right, 
he was very personable. That's the most personable we've ever seen by far. Uh, he was funny, but still close to the vest, not too yeah. much. Um, yeah. But well, what was uh, it? It was it was two years ago. I think it was after the playoff run that uh, was it. I think it was Peter Schrager did that off season podcast series with all the coaches where he like traveled yep. around and uh, you know, flying flying uh, yeah. Yeah. Flying coach. Flying I think coach. It, it, I think it came out that Stefanski turned – it came out that summer that Stefanski turned down the opportunity to do that because he didn't yep. want too much hype going into 21 like there was too much hype after 18 going into 19. And I think that was a missed opportunity because he is so – I understand the reasons for him being you know, wooden or robotic in the press conferences. There's no – there's no benefit to giving stuff away, but we talked about this in post games towards the end of the year. Like you can't just do that stuff and expect everybody to just eat it every week. You know, like it, yep. it, it, people get really tired of it, not only fans, but the media, right? They are, you know, and so then for him to finally loosen up a little bit, but for it to happen with national guys, you know, with Barstool, I, you know, I, if I was, if, I mean, I guess I am technically a member of the Cleveland media. If I was like a beat writer, I'd be really frustrated that they have all these opportunities either informally or formally for him to do stuff like this. And he can't be bothered to do it with the local guys that he sees week in, week out. So they were actually smart about this. So he did do, uh, for the first time since he's been here, I think he went on, uh, Ken Carmen and Anthony Lima in the morning mm -hmm. did an interview with them locally before the combine, I believe. And then, uh, he did that at the, that actually was okay. at the combine, uh, okay. with part of my take. Do you think that was a, uh, him doing that for the first time and then him actually going on a national podcast for the first time? Do you think that he, they're like, this is calculated to curry some favor for him. Oh, oh, definitely. No, there's no, okay. there's no question that they are aware of the level of frustration that. I mean, there's no way they can't be. It was everywhere at the end of last right. year. It was one of the largest criticisms, uh, certainly on social media, of 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 the team after the you know a loss. It wasn't just that they would lose; it was that he would come out and say nothing. And again, I understand it, right? But yeah, um, it just it it's very hard to root for a team when you feel like they don't think you deserve to know anything about the team. I, yeah, I, I have uh, different thoughts about this. Like I, I like when Hugh Jackson was here and he talked way too much. Right. And, and then sure. Freddie, like I was always like, I think that the head coach and general manager of a football team should basically be like Bill Belichick, but nicer. Uh, and that's kind of what Stefanski is. So, like, yeah. I think that, like, keeping it close to the vest is actually the best way to go about it. Um, I, I don't think you should tell the media really anything if you don't have to. So that's just kind of my uh, – I think you're safer that way. Um, and I think that's, that's what they believe as well, obviously. Uh, so I'll never kill him for being – you know, non not answering anything that he doesn't want to answer. But to your point, he could have shown some more of this actual this personality along the way. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Like 
do not get into specifics about fourth down calls or you know personnel decisions or anything like that. There's Things no that have happened in practice. Uh, and... Yeah, uh, that's no. But the trade-off then is that you have to be a little bit transparent about who you are as a person, what you like, those sorts of things. And he has, you know, uh, he has had opportunities to do that and not taken them. And um, agree. Uh, you know, they they like you. You can say he hasn't been asked, but I've I have I have heard him in press conferences elide slide past like softball questions because he just doesn't like talking about himself in that setting. And I, yeah. I think it's a missed opportunity. I, I agree. I agree with that. He could have handled, uh, and you know, he even opened up a little bit about this in the interview that, you know, mm-hmm. trying to be authentic, trying, he's, he's aware he's, he's hyper aware of his messaging all the time. Right. Almost too and much. And he talked about the <laughs> oh, too much, right? To the media and then to his yeah. team. And that, in turn, makes him look like a tight ass, right? right? Like right. in front of everybody. Yeah, so exactly. uh, it was a refreshing interview to watch. Yeah. It did curry some favor, I think, probably yeah. for him. Um, well, and and you know. like best case scenario, this, you know, interview went well, was received well, right? Everybody yeah. liked it. He got praise for having the ability to laugh at himself, you know, when, yeah. when they took a few shots at him, yeah. maybe that lets him, helps him let down the armor a little bit. And, you know, he can go on, you know, Carmen more often and, and, you know, allow yeah. himself to be made fun of or make fun of himself or just become, I, I know that he's not uh, as, as much of a tight ass as he seems. No, he's not. Uh, he, he's just trying to, they just, that's all strategic. Like they're right, so strategic exactly. that, him being that way is a strategic move. So um, that's it. It starts on Monday. Legal tampering. Let's hope we hear some news. Just win, baby. Just win. Yeah. Let me just say, uh, Monday's show, of course, uh, you know, uh, unscripted, will be even more unscripted than normal because – you know, it'll it'll be a hundred percent just a reaction to what happens on Monday. Wow! Or over the weekend, I think we'll probably try and have, you know, a cast of other OBR characters in as well. So join oh. us on Monday. It should be a, a mega show on Monday I, night. I would be I would be honored to be there to to discuss all news Browns. Uh, let's hope that there is some news on Monday, right? Yeah, if they pitch uh, a shutout, that'd be tough. Yeah, but. <laughs> It would kind of align with uh, Jack's thinking that they won't spend it all. Like, their day two, day three free agents would mean, I think something will happen on Monday. I do. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if it's not like a a headliner, Mm -hmm. there are enough guys there that I think you have to be active. And if he wants to get the guys he wants to get, then they're going to have to make a move on Monday. So uh, I would be happy to to discuss that. Oh, uh, yeah, I want some – Super Shirt says he wants some movement on Lamar. Uh, Thoughts, collusion? I mean, what – do you think this is – honestly, do you think this is an efforted collusion like to like, hey, let's all come together and – we're going to make sure that nobody has to pay this. We're going to make sure the Watson contract is an outlier. Do you think that's what's happening? hundred percent. And it doesn't even have to be coordinated because it's all, all owners yeah. understand that it's in their best interest for these contracts to go away. 
strikeout. So it's, it's not fair. I, f- I actually feel bad for Lamar. 100%. Uh, he's 100%. getting screwed hardcore. So It just takes um, one team, but, though. As, as I said before, it just takes one team to, yeah. like the Browns last year with Watson, it takes one team to say, screw it, we want the quarterback. And then they go do it. And that, you know, that's how progress gets made in these situations. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's huge what happens here because it literally will, it, they, they've pinpointed the contract that will make the difference. Like, is it yep. an outlier or is it a precedent? Is all relying on what Lamar Jackson gets paid. That's right. Because um, you know Joe Burrow's not going to hold an the Bengals. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Joe Burrow's no, not going right. to hold the Bengals' feet to the fire. So, yeah. you know, and and probably Herbert won't either with the Chargers. So this is this is really the next quarterback contract. If they can yeah. push the line back on this guy, and then the Burrow and Herbert deals come in without fully guaranteed money, now all of a sudden the precedent's back on the other side of the table. It's wild, man. And let's it's be clear, stuff. they deserve it, right? These yeah. players deserve fully guaranteed contracts. No, they do. They do. I mean, every baseball um, player, every baseball player's contract is fully guaranteed, and the sport hasn't collapsed, as far as I can tell. It's not as much fun to watch, but it hasn't collapsed. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm uh, looking forward to Gardo season two, and uh, yep. yeah. So, hey, listen, uh, big weekend. We will see you guys on Monday. Hope you guys enjoyed Nick Shook, uh, the great Andrew Spade of the OBR. Read him, follow him. You guys are uh, fantastic as always. Thank you all for showing up for another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. On your way out, hit the like button, hit subscribe, tell a friend. Else, we'll see you next week. Free agency. Let's go, Browns. Uh, for Nick Shook of NFL.com and Andrew Spade of the OBR. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. My name is Brad Ward, and we are out.